The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 22. Now, it came to pass on a certain day that he, Jesus, went into a ship. Now, what's the next three words? With his disciples. And he said unto them, let us, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Now, I have an idea that it was a little bit more, um, more uh, startled than that, a little bit more uh, dramatic than that. Because they say it twice, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. Now, uh, you might tell your kids to be quiet. And they cease, and there's a calm in the home for a little bit of time. But, you know, you you might say that to a person or to a, a puppy dog. But Jesus said this to a, a sea that was raging uh, and, and was very uh, tumultuous. Verse number 25, and he said unto them, now read that with me, where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And we would have asked the same exact question they wondered this wasn't a this wasn't a cowardly fear that they had at this moment it was a a reverence who in the world are we in the ship with who are we with right here who is this man though they've been walking with him uh, he was constantly revealing his power to them and he did it again here and so let's ask God to teach us from this let's ask God as we begin this year to use the message that he was teaching his disciples uh, to minister to our hearts and help us to walk in the, the message of this. Lord, thank you for being the one who has all power over nature. Lord, in the next story that you share in this, your gospel, you had all power over demons, over Satan and the satanic realm. Lord, you've proved your power over and over and you've recorded it in scripture for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from this today, that we'd be able to apply it into our lives and that we'd be able to walk in the light of your word even this week, but through this year. And Lord, we're going to slip up. You, you told us that you pity us as children, and we're going to make messes, and we're going to make mistakes this year. And I pray that we would get right back up. You said that a just man, a, a righteous man, falls seven times and rises again. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that none that are here today would, would fall and stay down, but that we would continue to strive and keep our eyes on you uh, through 2021, and that you would enable us to walk in faith and not in fear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Okay, pay attention. I don't know how much attention costs, but you got to pay it. Uh, this song is from chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And there's a special blessing attached to the book of Revelation. Amen. 1 3. Said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, 
and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The thing about the book of Revelation is it's one of the plainest books in the Bible, but it's hard to believe. Like all these things, like horses flying in the air, 70-pound uh, uh, stones of ice falling on the earth, mutant uh, demons coming up out of the earth, running around. But God says it's going to happen, and these things will come to pass because the scriptures cannot be broken. So, <clears throat> enter the Lord Jesus Christ. There he stands on his heavenly pavilion. His eyes gaze across the universe. His attention is drawn away by one small planet, Earth. He mounts his great white horse. His saints behind him mount their white horses. Forward through the horse gate they ride. Down, down to planet Earth. His destination, the Mount of Olives. To make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our Lord. This this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He'll be riding on a great white horse with his vesture dipped in blood. The word of the Lord goes forth from his mouth like a sharp two-edged sword. He is king of kings in his right thigh, lord of lords in his left. He's a lion from the tribe of Judah. He's the king of Jerusalem. He's the king of Jerusalem, and I know he saved my soul. Set my feet upon the solid rock. He cleansed and made me whole. He's the king of Jerusalem. Someday you're going to see that this one who shed his blood is coming back in victory. He'll be riding on a great white horse With his vesture dipped in blood The word of the Lord goes forth from his mouth Like a sharp two-edged sword He has king of kings in his right thigh Lord of lords in his left He's a lion from the tribe of Judah He's the king of Jerusalem He's a lion from the tribe of Judah He's the king of Jerusalem. Okay, now we're going to do another one. <laughs> Till the storm passes over. In the dark of the midnight, I have oft hid my face While the storm howls above me, and there's no hiding place Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry Keep me safe till the storm passes by Till the storm it passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, 
Do the clouds roll forever from the sky? Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Many times Satan whispered, there is no need to try. For there's no end of sorrow, there's no hope by and by. But I know thou art with me, and tomorrow I'll rise where the storms never darken the skies. When the long night has ended and the storms come no more, let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore in that land where the tempest never comes. Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm it passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, Till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Keep me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Amen. All right, you're back in Luke chapter number 8 in children, 4th grade and below. If you'd like to be dismissed to Children's Church, just right down this, uh, this hallway. And uh, the Collins are down there. It looks like they have a good crew tonight, uh, this morning. Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 22. I'm grateful for every child that's here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Uh, finish this statement. You have nothing to fear but... Wow, isn't that amazing? Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, President Franklin Roosevelt, back in 1943, I believe I have that date right, uh, gave that uh, in his inaugural speech, started right off. He's, uh, he said, I'm, I'm convinced of this. In fact, he said it a little bit. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. How many of you realize that fear can often stop you from advancing forward, right? In life, it can stop you from advancing forward in your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes people fear, well, if I start, if I try to make Christ center, if I try to follow him, I might fail, so I might as well not even try. They fear even failure, so they might, uh, they might not even try. Uh, studies have come up. Uh, about Americans in fear uh, over many, many years. But one of the things they have found uh, recently that the millennial generation is exhibiting the most uh, anxiety or the most fear of most uh, beyond other generations. It's, been, it's interesting to me that, that my age group is, is very, very fearful right now. Uh, even as we interact with them, even as you that are more mature uh, uh, in, in life, have more life experience, interact with the younger generation, just remember they are fearful of many, many things, and that fear is driving them or, uh, or keeping them back. People fear all sorts of things. I saw this, uh, this, past, uh, this past week 
uh, a, a meme, a, just a, a picture with words on it, right? Um, and, and it was something that went a little bit like this. A guy watching the clock and uh, watching at 12, uh, 11.59 and uh, expecting it to turn to 2021, and it goes 13.1 of 2020, all right? Like, no, just stop it, stop it. Uh, just enough of 2020 already. And a little bit of that fear, like, what happens if 2021 is like 2020? What happens if we still have problems? And people have fear about all sorts of things. Uh, studies were done, and, and, and I'm going to give you some of the things that Americans, but people in general really are afraid of. Uh, up in the top ten was losing your freedom. I think uh, that's probably uh, increased all the more in this past year and even right now. The fear of the unknown. What's going to happen in the future? The fear of pain. How many of you just don't like the Novocaine shots? Like, that's the worst part of it. If, if they could put me to sleep while they do the Novocaine shot, you know, be, uh, then going to the dentist would be a little bit better. Uh, fear of disappointment. The fear of misery, uh, uh, suffering through misery. The fear of loneliness. Hasn't that risen in this past year? The fear of ridicule. What about rejection? Many people fearing to be rejected. What happens if I go out there and, and people reject me? Even as believers, we fear to be rejected by um, those around us. The fear of death. A lot of that's the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? Even some believers, though they know they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, fear walking through death. And, and God says, hey, there ought not be fear in death because, and because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What about the fear of failure? As humans, we have this, this intrinsic fear, this built-in fear of, of failing and not achieving well. Fear is mentioned some 501 times in the Bible. Do you think that God knew that we, we by nature, we by, by our makeup, are fearful people? And so he mentions it 501 times in the Bible. Some 50-plus times, Jesus or God tells us not to fear. Now, you can do a study on that, and that's a tremendous study, but the very first time that, that God told someone not to fear is when he came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I have a promise for you. I'm going to make your, your family to be one as the sands of the sea. It's going to be so large. I'm going to do so many great things with you. This is my covenant with you. And Abraham, I don't want you to fear. And it says in on Genesis 15 and verse number 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not. Abram, I am thy shield, and I'm thy exceeding great reward. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to shield you from uh, all those that want to come against you. I am going to be your reward. If you seek me, I will be everything you ever need. I will be all your satisfaction. Don't, you don't need to fear. That's a pretty amazing thing. That's the first time in the Bible that the, the, the command to fear not is mentioned, and it's to Abram. Don't fear. You know, God still tells you today not to fear. And the reason God has to tell you and me not to fear is because we, we tend to fear, right? I, I think we would, the most of us have probably already had thoughts, what does 2021 look like? And is it going to be different? What happens on January 6th? What's going to happen? And, and what's going to happen for me in the future? What's going to happen? And there's a, there's a sense of fear that, that rises in our hearts. And God says, I don't want you to fear. He does not qualify that. You are allowed to fear if your country is falling apart. 
You're allowed to fear if there's a virus on the, on, the, on the move. You're allowed to fear if you are in risk of losing your job. He says, no, I don't want you to fear. Fear not. He told Joshua as he gave him the orders to lead Israel, and he's taking up the mantle from, from, uh, from Moses. He says, listen, I don't want you to fear. Be strong and of good courage. Guys, you and I, as we lead our families, Joshua's leading a million people, but God says the same thing to you and I. Fear not. Be of strong and of good courage. I'm with you. I'm there with you. God tells us not to fear because we do. And I have a question for you this morning. Why do you fear? Why do you fear? I'm not talking about your husband or your wife or your children or the neighbor next door. Why do you fear? In your situation this past week with the things that you, you have coming up in your life, why do you fear? Our fears aren't all the same. They, we live in different circumstances. We've experienced different things this week. No doubt we've all faced at least a tinge of fear this week. And we've allowed that in our hearts for maybe, for maybe for hours, maybe for days. Maybe we're still dwelling in that fear. Why do you fear? Why is it that God told you to fear not? And then why do you say, okay, I'm going to give in to fear, and that's what it often feels like. I'm going to give in to this, this feeling. I'm going to give in to thinking on this. Why do you fear? Why are you living in fear right now? Why are you living in fear about the, the coming year or any, any, anything out in the future? Why do you fear? Can you think of some things in your mind? Why do you fear? You see, if we don't, if we don't pause and, and consider that question, I think we're just going to continue to fear. Jesus has an answer to this. But maybe we need to stop and, and ask, why do, I, why, why do I have fear right now? What's going to change a week from now if, if you are to expect, or a month from now, or a year from now, or if you're to expect to be less fearful or, fearful or not to fear, what's going to change? What's going to have to change in your life? What's going to have to change in your perspective if you're going to stop fearing like God has told us to? Why do you fear? Why have you lived in fear in the past? Why do you live in fear right now? Why do you fear? Why did the disciples fear in our passage of Scripture? I see wheels turning, and that's, that's a good thing. I, I, want, I, I hope you'll, you'll really chew on that. I've had to ask myself that question this week. Really, it's a question that is a little bit inescapable when you, when you just ponder it for, for a moment. Why do I fear? Why do I let this drive me? Why did the disciples fear? I want to lead us through this, and look at verse number 22. It said, now it came to pass on a certain day that he, Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples. Let's first of all grab some facts that we really just need to embrace. Here in the first verse of this story, remember illustrations or stories, narratives. They're not just fairy, uh, fairy tales. They're, they're narratives that God intended for us to read and to learn and to apply into our lives. So he wanted us to know about the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. So he tells us in this passage of Scripture that on a certain day at a particular time, 
right? God works in time, though he, he is above time and beyond time, he works in, in time, doesn't he? And so on a particular day, he allowed something to happen in the life of the disciples. By the way, on a particular day this past week, God allowed something that jarred you in the past week to happen, right? Uh, he has a particular thing that he might allow um, to jar you in the days to come. And it's on a certain day that Jesus allowed this to happen in the life of the disciples. Here's a fact, the first fact I really want to grab, uh, uh, you to grab a hold of, and it's this, that Jesus is always present. You say, well, yeah, I know that. I'm, I've been a Christian. I, I've read the Bible. Jesus is always present. I know that. But notice what he says here, that he went into a ship with his disciples. Say that with me. With his disciples. Now, this is as ordinary as you getting in the car this morning with your spouse or with your family. There's nothing out of the ordinary about this. There was no fanfare when Jesus got into the ship with his disciples. Dun, da, 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 da. Jesus got into the ship with his disciples. No, there's no fanfare. There's nothing exciting about this. This is just ordinary life on a certain day that Jesus has decided to get in a ship on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. There's nothing ex extraordinary about this. And I'll tell you what, in our ordinary events of life, how important it is for us to realize this fact that Jesus is always present in every moment of our life. As you sit here this morning, Jesus is always present. As you go home this afternoon, Jesus is always present. As you go to lunch this afternoon, Jesus is always present. As you go to work tomorrow morning, Jesus is always present in the ordinary happenings of our life. Oh, that we would recognize in this week, Jesus is always present with me. This is a fact you and I have to embrace. It's a fact that the disciples really needed to embrace would have saved them some heartache and some stress and some gray hair or maybe the pulling out of hair. The fact is we need to realize in the ordinary moments of our life, Jesus is present. Do you grab that this morning in your, in your, in your spirit? Do you say yes to that in your, your spirit? Yes, Lord, I admit to that. I, I realize that. I recognize that. I want to live with that reality let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Why? Because Jesus is always present. Do you know that, that growing in Christ-likeness becomes a greater reality in your life when you realize Jesus is always present? I don't need that. I don't have to covet that. I don't have to lust after that. I don't have to envy that. I don't have to hold on to that uh, unforgiveness because Jesus is present right now. Behold, my God seeth me. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, do you know that our gospel witness is increased and emboldened by the fact that Jesus is always present? You say, I don't know how to shine as a light. I don't know how to be salt in this world. I don't know how to witness with my mouth. Jesus is always present. It says there in Matthew 28 and verse number 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, even unto the end of the age, even unto the end of time, I am there. And then Jesus says this, amen, so be it. I'm present. I'm there. You say, I, I can't, I can't witness, I can't reach out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can because Jesus is always present in your life. 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 16. You can go through persecution. You can go through opposition to your faith this year because Jesus is always present. Even if everyone else forsakes you, Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 16, no one stood with him at his trial before Caesar. 
No one. They all like, I'm not standing with him. Could mean my head. You know, that's going to be the reality within, within America as we face persecution or face opposition to our faith. I don't know if I want to step out there and really take my stand for Jesus Christ because I might lose my livelihood or I might lose this. Paul faced that back in his day. I don't want to stand with the Apostle Paul because it might mean my life or I might lose my notoriety in the city of Rome. I don't want to stand. And he says, notwithstanding my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men um, forsook me. I pray God that it not be laid to their charge. He had a forgiving heart in that moment. And why? Because verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. You can go through opposition, you can go through persecution, you can go through the loss of your your position for Christ's sake because Christ stands with you. And Jesus says right here as he opens up this passage of scripture, he records this narrative for us, I got into the ship with my disciples. Aren't you thankful he doesn't send you anywhere without himself? He's not going to lead you to one place this year that he will not go with you. And the fact is, Jesus Christ is with us. His presence is very wonderful, but that's not all. Verse 22, look at it again with me. He said, and he said, let us go unto the other side of the lake. Let's read his words together. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. One more time. Let us go over to... Those were Jesus' words. And I want us to know this, that Jesus' word is always true. That is a fact we need to embrace. This year, as much as last year and the year before, and 10 years previous, and 10 years in the future, Jesus' word will always be true. They can try to burn it. They can try to, um, they can try to dismantle it. They can try to discredit it. They can try to say, we all got here by chance, and God's word really isn't true. But the fact is, Jesus' word is always true. This is one thing that you can bank on in a very, very tumultuous uh, world and a very changing world that Jesus' word does not change. It is a rock. It's a rock. It's unchanging. His word is absolutely true. And so Jesus, Jesus is telling them, listen, we're going to go over to the other side of the lake. Now, I want us to grab a little bit of context here. If you'll go back up to verse number 21. Actually, verse number 19. He says, Then came unto him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. They're not for the news media but for the actual, the actual crowd of people, all right? Uh, verse number 20, And it was told him by a certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren uh, st- uh, stand without, desiring thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. In another gospel, it, it actually uh, relays that Jesus, like, Who are my, who's my mother? Who's my my brethren. Uh, these are my mother and my brethren. And like, what are you, crazy? No, you're real. Your family's outside. You know? But these, and what Jesus was saying, those who take my word, they receive it, and they respond to it with action, those are the ones that have close fellowship with me. Those are the ones who are really in the family. Listen, I have a, I have a wonder. Are you ready in this year to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ by receiving the word of God and responding to it? 
daily. Receive it. How do you do that? You, you read it. You meditate on it. You memorize it. Let me just really encourage you about something. You might hear people that say, well, you've got you to read this much, and uh, this will make you spiritual. Uh, or you've got to do it at this time. Could I really just encourage you about this? Would you just make it your focus, your purpose, your priority to be in the Word? Stop comparing yourself to each other. Your relationship with the Lord is what is important. Get in his word. This is where we relate to him, in his word and in prayer. And it is important to be in the word. It's important, I, I feel, to have a plan because what gets scheduled gets done, right? What you plan on, you accomplish. If you just kind of take a willy-nilly uh, you know, approach towards life, it, it doesn't really amount to much. So I encourage you to plan but it, does, it maybe have to be the, the plan the next person does. Uh, but you be in the word of God and, and respond to it. So I want us to realize the context of what Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side, is that at some point in the, in the recent past, Jesus had uh, told his disciples, listen, those that take the word of God, receive it, and respond to it with action, those are actually the ones I have close fellowship with. The question for us to, um, this year and this, this Sunday is, Lord, uh, Lord, do I really want, and, and by my actions, do I want to be in close fellowship with you, and is that evident in the way that I, I receive and respond to your word? Now, just before he had that interchange, it was the parable of the sower, where he says there are different, there are different grounds of, the, uh, uh, of different soils that receive the seed of the word. Some of us this morning can have some kind of a stony heart that's been, you know, has, has, has gotten kind of hard because of everything that's going on around us, and we aren't receiving the word very much. It, it, kind of, it just kind of bounces on the surface, and it really doesn't, really doesn't penetrate and, and grow up into fruit. Friends, we need to make sure that our heart is, is ready to receive the word of God. As we read it on a daily basis, as we, as we listen to it preached, as we listen to it taught, oh, that we'd have a heart that's ready to receive it. And so all that in the context is here as Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side. How were the disciples going to receive and respond to this is word? Let's go to the other side together. You say, well, it's so simple. I mean, he was just having an ordinary conversation, but it was still Jesus talking to his disciples. And there's going to be times this year where Jesus says, hey, let's do this together. And he sets a specific burden on your heart. He shows you something specific in the word of God. Let's do this together. How are you going to receive and respond to that? And how you do determines whether you're going to be in fellowship with the Lord or not. Oh, how important it is for us to just have a heart that's ready. I hope, I hope, all, I hope in your heart you're just saying, yes, Lord, that's what I want. That's what I want. Sometimes we can make it all about this, this list. And, and again, I'm not knocking schedules. I just, I just offered you a couple, right? I'm not knocking that. But if we prioritize a list over a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to help us. You know, just check it off. There's a lot of people who check off lists in Christianity and are no, no more spiritual than some, uh, some people that don't even know Christ. They, they live like the world but they've checked off their, their to-do list. We want a relationship with Jesus Christ, a daily relationship. Are, are you with me on that? Like, you see the difference? 
Do you know when, let's be honest, have, I know I've gone through some times in the past year where it felt a little bit rote, like, Lord, this is dry. I, I don't feel like I'm connecting with you like I ought to. Anyone with me on that? You, you feel like, you know, the, like, well, this is what I need to do. I need to go to church or I, I, I need to read my Bible, but it didn't speak to my heart. Oh, Lord, help us, help us to be able to, to walk through that and, and grow through those, those moments and have hearts that are ready to receive and respond to the word of God with action. So Jesus' word is always true. He, he, uh, he says, let's go to the other side. Was it not true that they were going to go to the other side of the lake? Are you all convinced? He said it. Friends, there's many times we read through the Bible and we go right over something that, that, that God says it's a, it's a reality, it's a fact, and we live as if it's not. And it's not that we stand up and say, that's not true. We don't do that. We know better than to do that. But we go out and live on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as if it's not true. And that's exactly what's going to happen with the disciples. But it was absolutely true. Let's go to the other side. And they launched forth. They went out into the deep. Now, I want to just give us a picture of what's going on here in, uh, in this, in this uh, area of Galilee. Galilee, I've not been there. I look forward to one day going, uh, going there. But Galilee is, a, is, a, is an, a, a, a nice-sized lake. It's eight miles across from one side to the other, east to west, as I understand. It's also 700 feet below sea level. Uh, does that sound about right, uh, according to my study? Uh, so it, it's, it's kind of a, a, a gorge of a, of a lake. And uh, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. If you guys can give me the, the, map, um, the map where they, they travel. So it, more than likely, Jesus is, is traveling all the way from there. And it wasn't just eight miles that he was traveling. He was traveling down to Gadara uh, to, to meet with the demon-possessed man. And so it was, it was a... a, a it was a trip, uh, and likely, as we understand, it, it happened uh, in the dark, at least, uh, at least in the dark, perhaps at night, and they are, they are traveling down uh, the Sea of Galilee, and they are going to, a, a, to this specific place where Jesus had a divine appointment. Now, the boat in which they were traveling wasn't a ship, it wasn't a cruise liner, it wasn't a barge. Uh, it, was, it was something probably a little bit like that. It had sails. Um, and it was, in, when the, the storm came, it would not have been a pleasant thing to be in. It would have, uh, it would have felt maybe a little bit like a, a bathtub toy, um, but this is what the disciples were in with Christ. Now, there were some other boats, according to other gospels, there were other boats that were, other small boats that were along with them, but he says, let's go to the other side. They launch out into the midst of it, into the deep, into the high, the high sea, into the middle of it, and they are there, and they are uh, traveling along. Let's go. And Jesus' word was true at the beginning of that journey, as much as it was true in the middle of that journey, as much as it was true at the end of that journey. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Where's Christ calling you this week? Where's he calling you to go this year? I don't know if I can do that. No, if he's called you to do it, you can do it. Faithful is he that has called you who also will do it. Right? So that's impossible for me. Listen, Jesus, what Jesus says, he does not renege on. 
he, he will accomplish in your life. Thy word is truth, he says. It is true. Whatever Jesus says, you can mark it down as true. Whatever you hear in the news, you, you may not be able to mark down as news, as truth. But you can mark down Jesus' word as absolute truth. It is true. It is our compass for living. He says in Matthew 5.18 that not one jot, not one tittle, not the smallest part of the, of, the, of the Hebrew alphabet is going to pass away from the word of God. Not one part of the, uh, of the alphabet, not, not even the dot on the eye is going to pass away till all be accomplished. And he's just saying, listen, it's not going anywhere. It's going to be accomplished. His word is always true. Patrick Henry, who said this, give me liberty or give me death. Wasn't that a great statement? He also said this, a man who knew God, he said, the Bible is worth all the other books which have ever been printed. Why? Because it's true. You can throw out every other book in your, your Kindle library, in your library, your physical library, in any other library that you have, and you can keep the word of God. This has every bit of worth. No, it's not to say that there aren't, uh, there aren't good things in other books. It is to say this is the one that is worth everything. If there's one book that you read this year, read this. This is what is always true. This is what is going to guide you across the storms, through the storms, and through the, the tempest of life. It's worth every, all, uh, more than any other book. But this fact, these facts that we've just looked at, they're going to be tested in the laboratory of life, right? They're going to be tested in your daily life. Tomorrow, the Mondays, the Tuesdays. And so think about this, the storms we all face. We're all going to face storms. Likely we're all facing a storm even right now of some sort. Maybe it's just a little bit of precipitation. Um, but we're all facing a storm, and we all will face storms. Uh, James told us that we are to allow the trying of our faith to work things in our lives. James 1 and verse number 2, Brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different temptations, different trials, different storms. So whatever storm you're in, you're actually to count this joy. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your work, your faith, worketh patience. What's God trying to do in your life when he brings a storm into your life? He's trying to create endurance, create trust, stretch your faith, increase your faith, increase your dependence on Jesus Christ. Anything that causes you to run toward God and, 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 and embrace him more and draw near to him is ultimately for your good. And so James says, listen, when you have a trial that comes up in your life, a sudden storm that comes up in your life, just remember this, it's for your good. It's for God's working in your life. But do you know what happens in the midst of the storm? The things that we know to be fact, Jesus is always with us, his word is always true, seem to dissipate. In fact, it seems like in the midst of the storm, those things almost become not true. It, it, it seems like, well, where is he and what, what is going on? And his word, what he said, doesn't seem to be happening. And I want us to notice how that happens in the middle of this. In verse number 23, but as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. Well, what now? The creator of the universe is asleep in the back of the boat. And God seemed to be distant. 
It didn't seem to be bad when the, um, when the, when the sea was calm, but when the sea started uh, stirring up, um, all of a sudden they're not hearing him talk, and they're not hearing him say, hey, it's okay, and we're going to get through this. And remember, I told you we're going to the other side. And do you know what started happening in their lives? Well, wait a minute, God's not talking. He's asleep. He's, he's back there in the back of the boat. We're bailing water out of this boat, and he is asleep. You know what happens in the middle of our storms, even though we know that Jesus is always present? God seems to be distant sometimes, doesn't he? Can you identify with that? Where is he? Have you ever had someone ask you, where is your God? Have you ever in the middle of your your trial asked God in prayer, where are you? You know, David said this in Psalm 42 and verse number 10, as with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. It's just like they're coming up to me and just jabbing me. And here's the question they ask. Where's your God now? Where's your God now? I thought he was always there. I thought he was supposed to save you from your, your trials and, and, and deliver you. Where's your, where's your God now? And, and do you know what exactly is going on here? The, the, the disciples feel as if they had been abandoned by God because in Mark 4 and verse number 38, it says, Master, carest not that we perish? Now, I want you to think about the emotion of that for a moment. Them going to the creator of the universe who created their very lives and they say, Master, don't you care anymore? Don't you care that we're perishing, that we're literally on the brink of dying in the middle of the storm? These were were fishermen that had been through some storms before. They were at the point where they were crying out to God and telling him, don't you care? Have you ever in in your Christian life, in the middle of a storm, asked God, don't you care? You say, I feel so bad for asking that question. Listen, there were disciples who walked with Jesus who asked him the same exact question. Don't you care? But you know, Satan desires and loves to get you to feel as if God has abandoned you in the middle of your storm. He wants you to feel isolated. That is the work of Satan. That is not the work of your heavenly father. That is the work of Satan. And perhaps we were distant from him and his, his presence uh, feels a bit estranged, but the fact is God has not abandoned us in the middle of our storms. He is always present. And maybe there will be a time in our life where we ask, where are you now? What's going on? And, 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 and it feels that way, but it's not reality. But they were in the middle of the storm and they began to feel as if God was distant. But it wasn't just that. When God became distant to them, unto, unto them in that boat and on that stormy sea, God's word, Christ's word, became irrelevant to them. And I want you to follow through on this. Jesus said we're going to the other side, didn't he? And they lived as if that was not true. Now, let's not be really hard on them because we would have done the exact same thing, I have no doubt. You with me on that? We're not, we're not, we're not some super saints. They lived as if that wasn't true. We're going to the other side. Look at verse number 23. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Their present experience did not match up with Christ's word. They weren't seeing this 
whole thing of we're going to the other side in the middle of that storm. It seemed as if God's word, what he said, what Jesus had just said to them moments ago in the ordinary process of life wasn't wasn't true. It was irrelevant. It was non-applicable to their situation. Think about this present experience that was going on in their life. Think about the sudden storm. It said it came upon them. The whole tense of that word was it just rushed in. Now, again, we've all not been to um, been over to Galilee and understood uh, the, the, the lay of the land and how this is all working, but just get in your mind this, this gorge of a lake and, and, and also have in your mind it's way below sea level, so as storms would come over the mountains upon the lake, these systems, they would, um, they would spark up some severe storms. In fact, to the point that the word the Bible uses to describe this wind, the, the meaning of the word is actually the word hurricane. It was a severe windstorm, with, likely with precipitation, likely with, uh, with rain. But it, it, well, and the, the waves were at least um, beating into the ship. But the extreme wind that was going on here, the lake lies, as one man says, between, two hi- um, between high hills which form the deep trough, and in thus subject to sudden tempests, which at times sweep down with terrific fury as they roar through the gorge. And so I was watching a video this week of someone that had been over there and literally at one end of the lake, it could be bright and sunny, and at the other end of the lake, it could be stormy and a severe weather system going on. Very interesting. But it was in the middle of that storm, by the way, that Jesus knew was going to come, and he allowed, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. Yes, I know a storm's coming. The weatherman on the uh, local Capernaum uh, weather station didn't, <laughs> didn't get this one, uh, wasn't able to predict it then either, but Jesus knew, right? And let's go to the other side. Uh, they said, we're taken on water. The word that's used here is, it, it means swamped. <laughs> Their boat was swamped. You might say, I'm swamped with things I need to do this week. But they were swamped with water. And it was, they were having to bail. And the idea was, it was continuing to come. And it, they, they had to continue to bail it out. It was continuing to overflow the sides of the boat. And they were swamped. In the middle of this dark, uh, stormy sea, they were swamped with water. And they said, well, our lives are in jeopardy. We're in serious risk right now. And we continue to be in this situation. We are in risk. We feel like we might die. They said, Master, we perish. And I want you to also know this. Satan wants to get you to feel like God has abandoned you. He also wants you to feel as if God's word is not relevant and applicable in the midst of your storm. He wants to detach you from confidence in the word of God. And he does the same thing over and over. He's doing the same exact thing in our day. His tactics haven't changed. We just fall prey to them. That's why we need the armor of God, right? why we need to have the, uh, the sword of the spirit and the, and the shield of faith. And so they are falling prey to this Satan delights in causing us to think against God's word. They weren't remembering. Well, wait a minute. You know what? Jesus told us that we're going to go to the other side. And so, well, that's what's going to happen. And they weren't thinking that way. Going, Hold on. We're taking on water. We're going to die here. Master, don't you care about us? That's what was going on. I want us to understand something. Faith is not being oblivious to the circumstances that are going on around us. Even as we live in a country that is shaken and, is, and in many ways is crumbling, faith is not being oblivious to it. Well, it's not happening. That, that's not faith. 
yeah, this is happening. Faith is being obsessed with God's word in the middle of the circumstance. Okay, I know this is happening, but this is what God's word says. I, I know this is what they're threatening, but this is what God's word says. I, I know that the heathen are raging, but this is what God's word says. He sits in the heavens and laughs at them. I know that uh, there's much tribulation going on, but God's word said that Jesus has given me peace in the middle of tribulation. I I know that that there are lying lips going on and people have slandered me, but God's word says it's an abomination and it'll hold them accountable. I know there's, there's, uh, there's fighting and, and all sorts of things going on about who's going to be president, but I know that God sets up kings and he takes down them and he's so in control. I know that there's a virus going around, but God says he's the one that heals us from all of our diseases. I know that, that death comes to everyone, but God says there's no fear in death for the believer. That he's taking the sting out of death. You see, it's, it's not being oblivious to what's going on around us. It's letting God's word dictate our thinking in the midst of that storm. And we can all use a little bit more of that, can't we? Oh, how important that is. The storms we face don't cancel out the fact that we should have embraced the facts. Uh, they don't cancel out the facts. He's always present. His word is always true. And so let's notice what happens here. Let's notice how the the disciples respond and uh, we're a little bit like the disciples and and we don't respond right and we choose fear over faith. We choose fear about what's going on around us rather than placing faith in the facts and we go through our lives with all sorts of fear. Uh, Fear that if I I follow God's word in my parenting, my children might might grow up and not not be accepted in the world or they might not grow up to, to really like me. I've taken a stand for God in my home. Uh, fear that if I stand for Christ and his truth in society or at my workplace, that I'll be ostracized. Uh, fear that if I give my life a living sacrifice to God, uh, he, might, he might rob me of the joys of, of life and the pleasures that I could have experienced on my own. Fear that if I put Jesus first. I'll not have any time for anything else. We get into so much fear, don't we? When I was talking to a businessman here in town, he said uh, when he bought his business, he had just had it in mind that he'd play uh, Christian music in the business. We talked to the former owner before, um, just kind of getting the lay of the land, and he's talking to him about this, and he says, listen, if you do that, you're going to lose customers. You're going to lose customers. I talked to the business owner's son, and he says, uh, if you do this, this is not a good choice. If you do this, you're going to lose customers. And he says, well, I'm doing it. And uh, he began to play it. People began to, to appreciate it. But you know what? Taking a stand sometimes for the Lord Jesus Christ, you might risk losing something. And oftentimes Satan uses that fear to keep us from doing what we know is right in our heart to do. That fear to keep us from placing faith in the fact that Jesus is always present and his word is always true. And so we become like the disciples and we fear in the midst of the storm because we failed to place faith in the, uh, in, in the facts that Jesus Christ had uh, given us ahead of time. And, and there's always going to be reasons why we should fear. There's always going to be 101 voices, 102 voices out there that say, you have reason to fear and we often choose that fear. 
Now notice in verse 24, it says they, they feared despite the presence of the Lord. In verse number 24, and they came to him and awoke him. Master, master, we perish, they say to him. Now listen, they went to him in the small boat. He was there with them. They feared despite his presence right in the boat. Well, he was sleeping, but he was still present. The Bible says right after they awoke him that he arose. He arose. He stood up in the boat, stood up in the midst of the storm. He became uh, active in the midst of that, that situation, in the midst of that storm. And by faith, we can expect Jesus Christ to do the same exact thing in his timing, to become active in the midst of our storm. He arose. He simply said a word, and the storm ceased, and there was a calm. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And he was there all the time. These were experienced fishermen. They had, they had been on that sea uh, fishing before. They had been through storms. No doubt they tried a lot of things as they were going through this storm. And the fact is they were at the end of their resources. And they finally came to him who had always been present the whole time. What had happened if, if they had gone to him first off and said, Hey, Master, we, we know that you said we're going to the other side. Uh, can you say that again? right? I, I need to read that again. I need to be reminded of that because it doesn't feel like that right now. No, they, 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 in the midst of the storm, became very, very panicked, very, very fearful, even though he was very present in the middle of their, their situation. How often we needlessly give in to fear. Why? Jesus is always present. We don't need to fear. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Notice what God says there in Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. The, the reason God says you do not have to fear is I am there. That's it. I'm there. Behold, and be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee. I will help thee. Uh, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amy Carmichael uh, wrote a short poem, says, Thou art the Lord who slept upon the pillow. Thou art the Lord who soothes the furious seed. What matter beating wind and tossing billow if only we are in the boat with thee? She knew the presence of God in her own life and even went through many trials in her own life. Why? Because of the presence of the Lord. He was there and they feared. They chose to fear despite the fact that God was there in the boat with them. How often do we do that? That's just the reality of my life and our lives. We often choose to fear even though God is right there. We know that in our minds, but we don't practice it in our lives. They fear despite Christ's word. Look at verse 25. He said, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. But he asked this question to them. When he calms the storm, he asked this question. He goes, where's your faith? He did not say in this instance, this is how it's recorded here in the book of Luke. He did not say, hey, you didn't have any faith. He did challenge them about their lack of faith in another, in another book. He did say this, where is your faith? Why didn't you take your faith and exercise it in the, in the facts that I gave you at the start? We're going to the other side of the lake. Where is your faith? Why did you not exercise your faith? This was your choice. You chose to fear despite what I already said. You know, God... I wonder how many times he looks down at us and says, hey, listen, Kagan, you're fearing. 
don't you remember what I already said? It's right here. Go back and read it again. I already told you what I'm going to do in your life. I already told you what I'm going to do in the future. I've already explained how the story ends. Where is your faith? Why aren't you exercising your faith in the facts? Where's your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying, what manner of man is this? They, They were awestruck. They were amazed at the power of God. They were reverent towards him. And I want you to think about it from Mark 4 and verse number 40 and what he asked them over there, because there's a little bit more detail over Mark. He asks this question, and I want us to grab a hold of this. Why are you so fearful? That's how he dealt with them. In the middle of the storm, well, what do you mean, why am I so fearful? We just about died. Jesus asked, the creator of the universe, the one who told us not to fear, he asks, why are you so fearful? Friends, today as you walk about this city and walk into your home, walk into your workplace, do you know there are people all around you that are living lives driven by fear? Believers oftentimes were living our lives driven by fear. You know what Jesus asks? Jesus never embraces the fear. He never enables the fear. I want us to catch a hold of this. This is very important. He never enables the fear. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. I understand you're fearful. He he pities us as children, but here's what he does. He, He challenges our fear. Why are you so fearful? Even now, in the middle of this this continuing pandemic, I ask people, why are you afraid? Do you know the answer to that question reveals a lot about what's going on inside of their heart and a lot about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And friends, it says a lot about what you think of Jesus Christ too. Well, it's 2021. I don't know how things are all going to shake out. Why are you so fearful? That's a question I need to answer. The disciples didn't, because he goes on. He goes, why don't you have any faith? Here in Mark, Peter writes down, this is how it struck Peter. Maybe Peter was the one, as he received those words, maybe Peter was the one that's like, he heard it as, I don't have any faith. In the middle of this storm, I don't have any faith. He goes, why don't? Where's your faith? Why is it that you have no faith? What's going on here? Why are you so fearful? I already told you we're going to the other side of the lake, and you say, well, you're just kind of blowing this out of proportion. You're taking a microscope to this situation that that happened in just a little bit of time. And No, no, this is a microcosm of what happens all the time in our lives. We go through storms. We go through trials. And Jesus might as well stop and say, why, Kagan, are you so fearful? Why? I already told you. I already gave you my word. Would Jesus ask you that question in your present storm? Storms happen in all sorts of ways. They can be relational. They can be financial. They can be, they can be work storms. They can be church storms. They can be spiritual storms in your life. You're just struggling with a spiritual issue, a besetting sin. Why are you so fearful? 
I ask you the question, why do you fear? Why did the disciples fear? And I want us to just close it with this. The reason that you and I fear is because I fail to take Jesus at his word. You say, no, 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 no. Pastor, you don't get it. The reason I fear is because I don't have enough money in the bank. No, the reason you fear is because you do not take Jesus at his word. No, the reason I fear is because I don't know what's going to happen this week in our nation. The reason you fear is because you do not take Jesus at his word. You know, Jesus has already told us how the story ends. That song was very, very appropriate. He's King Jesus. He's coming back. That is who he is. That is what he is. That is reality. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. On his vesture is, is written the true and faithful one. That's who he is. And he's already told us all that. And I imagine he looks down at many believers sitting in churches across our nation, and he just says, why are you so fearful? We fear because we fail to take Jesus at his word. They feared because they failed to take Jesus at his word. Let's go to the other side. It's as simple as that. Sometimes Satan loves to make everything in our lives and our spiritual lives so complex. He just drives us to confusion. God says, no, 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 no. It's actually really, really simple. The reason you fear is because you aren't taking me at my word. And again, just let me just encourage you. You can't take Jesus at his word if you're distant from it. Got to be in it. Got to be there in that relationship. Got to be hearing his voice. But the reason I fear is I'm not taking him at his word. May we be a people in the coming days that says, Lord, by your grace and with your strength, I'm going to take you at your word. Even when it, when it goes against everything I'm feeling, it might feel like the boat's filling up and we're going to sink, we're not going to make it to the other side. But I'm going to take you at the word. I'm going to take you at your word. We don't know what 2021 will bring. We do know who is in it with us. We already have his word. It's settled, forever settled in heaven. And so, if you could just do a little business with God and say, Lord, the fear that I'm experiencing right now, I realize this morning is because I'm not taking you at your word. Lord, would you give me the specific word that I need to take you at? Would you give me the promise or the truth about yourself that I need to rest in? Maybe you need to do a little Bible study, some reading this afternoon. Lord, I, I need that. And Lord, help me to take you at your word so in the middle of my storm, I'm not fearing. That I can go through in confidence. Let's ask the Lord to help us with that together, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.